On Friday afternoon, it was reported that Russell Westbrook had volunteered to come off the bench. But new information suggests that maybe it was all just a cover-up for Russell Westbrook actually being benched. And a rewatch of the Rockets game came gave me a couple of different conclusions, especially with our center play. And we look ahead to the week in Clippers basketball on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darren Viziri, born and raised in L.A. and in my 19th season as a Clipper fan. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod and subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, where I posted a video of the experience at the game, and it was an amazing game with an amazing shot by James Harden to give the Clippers their first win since the fourth game of the season against the Orlando Magic. And this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the best daily fantasy entry app around. And Prize Picks is an official sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. Just go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. So let's talk about a couple of things. First, the Russell Westbrook situation. I only gave it one segment, really, in the last episode. So I figured it was, you know, something to talk about in this one. And I have to say, there was a lot of drama on social media on Sunday. And it came from one of the Clippers' very own beat writers, Law Murray of The Athletic. And first, it was just a tweet of him posting a picture of Norman Powell. And the caption was, six man. And by the way, I'm also going to talk about what I noticed in the rewatch of the Rockets game. Uh, it really revolves around the play of our centers, Daniel Tice, Ivica Zubats, and I wanted to talk about P.J. Tucker a bit. Then I'm going to look uh, ahead at this week in Clippers basketball. But let's talk about the main discussion. And that's Russell Westbrook allegedly, according to many sources, volunteering to be benched. Now, it always seemed a little bit fishy just because Russ was the one that's the numbers were all favoring him playing alongside 2-1-3 and starting over Harden at the time. So it just kind of came a little bit out of nowhere. And plus, Russell Westbrook is not the type of guy that volunteer to come off the bench in my opinion I'm sorry he clearly has shown by leave by not let's put it this way he clearly was not happy with the way things ended with the Lakers he came off the bench because he had to do it and Darvin Ham got him to do it but he part of the reason he loved coming to the Clippers was because we guaranteed him a starting role so for him to take himself out of that starting role even though he was playing pretty well it was always a little fishy but because I'm a fan of Russ and because this is the, the story that sounds best as a Clipper fan, I went with it. And, and multiple very credible people had come out with that. Now, there was a lot of people, especially the Laker fans and all the skeptics of Russ, 
that were saying it's just a smokescreen, it's just PR, he really got benched, but they're do- saying this so it doesn't look as bad for him, he doesn't get asked about it so much. So, when Law Murray posted the tweet saying sixth man, I was like, uh, that's a little weird because Russ going to the bench and being one of our four best players would imply that he is now our sixth man. Now, of course, Norman Powell's role going into the season on this team was to be a sixth man. He was, at one point of last season, the leading scorer off the bench for any team. He His skill set of just being a guy that can come in and give you instant points is that of a typical sixth man. Now, one of the responses to Law's tweet was, did you make that up or is it written in stone about the sixth man thing? And he said, I don't make stuff up. Objectively speaking, Norm has been the team's top reserve for the past year and the starting lineup change does not change that. So what that implies is, according to Law, Norm is going to be getting more minutes than Russ. And the reason that is, and it's very obvious in my eyes, is... You saw, especially at the end of the last game and towards the end of the Denver game, that Ty Lue is going to lean into Kawhi, Paul, Harden, and Norm a lot to close. Because Norm is a really good fit alongside other stars because he can play off the ball in the sense that he can come off curls from left to right, he can knock down the open three, and he's one of the better players on the team in attacking closeouts. So anybody that can knock down open threes and attack closeouts is typically going to be a guy that you want playing alongside stars that create good shots. And the Clippers have four of those guys if you include Westbrook. So Jay, Norman Powell, and this is the real honest truth, because the Clippers are going to lean into more James Harden, well, that means just inherently they're going to lean into Russell Westbrook less. Because we know that the pairing of them together on the floor isn't very ideal. And it doesn't maximize either of them, quite frankly. And we saw a little bit of those minutes of Russ and Harden sharing the floor yet again in the Houston game. And Russ shot too many open, shot too many threes, in my opinion. And that's not all because of Harden and Russ being on the court together. He shot some without Harden on the court. But it just feels like it makes him more of an off-ball scorer kind of guy. And that's just not how you maximize Russell Westbrook. We found out the way to maximize Russell Westbrook in this role without making him do everything. Without making him the center controls of everything like he's been on other teams. We found the perfect role. But now he's going to have to adjust to this new role. And I'm questioning how much he's going to enjoy it. Now, this is where it got tricky. So, as I'm saying, with James Harden playing more and Russ playing less, you now are thinking about how do we prioritize James Harden's style? How do we best maximize him? And Norman Powell is going to be a guy that we do that with. So far this season, Norm's averaging 12.5 points, but as usual, his splits are fantastic. 50% from the field, And 45% from three, the one thing that he's really struggling with so far, and there are several people on the team struggling with this, free throws. He's shooting 71% from the line. Zubats is shooting 60% from the line. Mason Plumlee was shooting 43% from the line. Terrence Mann is shooting 50%. Russell Westbrook is shooting 57%. And Kawhi Leonard, Mr. Reliable, is only shooting 79% from the line. So that needs to go up from everyone. From absolutely everyone. Now, here is where it gets... So, by the way, 45% from three is amazing. I don't think that number is sustainable, but we've seen Norm shoot over, you know, in the high 30s every single year in the last couple of years. So, I think he's going to be around that number, 39 40%. 
And they, I know the front office, I'm not the front office, the coaching staff is going to encourage him to just jack him, to just don't hesitate. You get the open look, let it fly. So expect to see Norm throwing up more threes. But anyway, so the reply to the, I don't make stuff up, objectively speaking, Norm has been the team's top reserve and the starting lineup doesn't change that. The response was, sure, but Russ has been the starting point guard for the past year. Him asking to get moved to the bench doesn't make him the sixth man. Feel like you're going based off one game. And then Law had a tweet that got 172,000 impressions. And by the time you're listening to this, it will have more. And he said, a lot of people believe that Russ asked for this, and that's on them. Russ is the backup point guard for a team, starting a star player at that spot now. Minutes are likely going to reflect that going forward. I understand people are hoping Russ plays a lot, but Norm will play more. Wow. For a beat writer to come out and just basically throw down every single story that's come out from national guys and local guys. When, you know, if I'm being real, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure that the beat writers of the Clippers, all of them, know the truth. They're around the team. They're, they have connections. They're inside the locker room, literally inside the locker room. So they would know. I mean, if Law's saying it, that's the fact. And you know what? I mentioned it on the last pod. Westbrook's reaction to Harden. I know people were making a big deal about it, but that is not the Russell Westbrook that we've come to see on the Clippers. He took a while to get up. It's very clear that a guy, it's not rocket science to figure out that a guy that's extremely emotional, that has usually been, you know, had, he's been a starting point guard every single year of his career besides last season with the Lakers before he came to the Clippers and was in a terrible mental state as far as what we were seeing as a Laker and he's, he's a, he, you know, it's not just Russell Westbrook, but there are many stars in NBA history that it doesn't just matter to them whether they win or not. They want to win, but they want to feel like they're part of that winning and playing 17 minutes for a guy that's used to playing 30 plus minutes his whole career. That doesn't make him feel like he's a part of it. And so to hear that news is just, it changes everything because now Russell Westbrook getting benched. I don't believe it was fully Ty Lue. It could have easily been the front office because they're the ones that pulled the trigger. But it's going to be something to watch now. Because if Russ, if Russ actually got benched, which I think I mean, it, it happened, he got benched, then he has every reason to be a little disappointed and feel a little betrayed because they asked him to come here. They went on national TV to try to get this guy and say we need a point guard. He worked really hard last playoffs without Paul George and Kawhi. Looked really good to start this season. Looked good in the numbers, in the lineup data, to begin this season as well. Then he's the one that comes off the bench because you obviously trade for James Harden. And it's almost like you're really replacing Westbrook with Harden, who, you know, in Westbrook's eyes, he sees himself eye to eye with Harden. You know, they, he, Harden was his backup 12 years ago. So it's a very sticky situation. So it sucks to hear, but keep an eye out for it. I think if Russ can buy in to what his role is as a backup point guard, and he could be rewarded with some of his best success ever in his career from a team perspective. But does this actually maximize the most out of Russ? Because he's very much a rhythm player himself, and I think he gets a rhythm with the starters and to begin games. Everybody always says Russ can just kill the second units on other teams, but I don't know. I mean, I watched him with the Lakers, and he had some good games, but he just it feels like Paul George and Kawhi help him as much as he helps them, if not more. 
because of their mid-range play, the fact that they can work quickly off the catch. Which, which you, when you watch the Lakers with him and LeBron, LeBron gets the ball, but he likes to turn and survey the defense and evaluate what's going on as well. Whereas Paul George and Kawhi, especially Paul George, just like Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal, they just want to come off screens. A lot of times they want, they're more willing to do catch-and-shoot stuff, and they'll work quickly off the catch before the defense can really load up. And that's what makes Russ and Paul George such a great fit together. And Kawhi, being a mid-range master, he can counter the bad spacing sometimes. And then, of course, there's all the off-ball things that Russ has done on his own accord, you know, screening more, cutting more, and just shooting pretty well from the corner from deep. But anyway, so that's the moral of the story. Russ did not volunteer to get benched, and I believe Law, because the body language checks out. So we'll see how it goes. Definitely something to keep an eye on going forward. It definitely is going to be a story. Let me know what you think of it in the comments. Russell Westbrook and that whole situation. But coming up, going to be talking about what I noticed in the rewatch of the Rockets game, or should I say watching it on TV for the first time because I was there. The play of Vitsa Zubats and Daniel Tice really stood out. Going to be talking about that coming up. I got to tell you a little something about prize picks. Prize picks is the best daily fantasy entry app around. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can take Joe Burrow on touchdown passes plus Kevin Durant for three-pointers made. PrizePix even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. So for football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. How clutch is that? And PrizePix now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this NBA season. Go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for $20 for, I'm sorry, for a first deposit match up to $100. Pricepicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, let's talk about what I've noticed in the rewatch. A couple of things. One, Kawhi Leonard's defense at the point of attack albeit he didn't guard point of attack that much because he was guarding Dylan Brooks a lot, and he's not a type of guy that's going to handle the ball and pick and roll and try to ISO. He was pretty good at the point of attack, Kawhi. His best defensive game since the trade for me, and I'm not just saying that because of the steals. There's something you can just tell watching a guy's defensive posture. And somebody, I know this is not locked on Lakers, but LeBron James is somebody because I've watched him probably more than anybody in my entire life. I can tell when he's engaged defensively more, when he's being more physical and he's fouling a bit. And even if he's not getting called for it, when I see LeBron getting a little more handsy, getting right into the body of guys, and his eyes as well, when they zoom in on him, I can tell when he's engaged defensively. Kawhi Leonard was really sitting down, really sitting down, arms out. And when I see him sitting down in that much of a stance, in that low of a stance, I know what type of time he's on. So I was pretty impressed watching the game on TV 
to see his defensive point, you know, his point of attack defense was better than the games with Harden. And then if it's a Zubats, I said it was just maybe his best quarter of the season, but nah, rewatching the game, it may have been his best game of the season. He started out with an up and under left-handed finish on Shingun, and I thought that he did a really good job protecting the rim and against Shingun one-on-one a lot of times, because if you actually look back at the way Shingun scored, most of it was when he had other guys on him, not Zoo one-on-one, and pick-and-roll or pick-and-pop plays, which again, if you have to understand the scheme. Just because Shingun scores when they put Zubats in pick-and-roll does not mean it's Zubats' fault. You can't just, you know what happens if Zubat stays attached to his man a lot of times? If the Clippers' point of attack defense is not good, then whoever's coming off that screen is walking into something. A jumper, a floater, you name it, a layup. If Zoo does not step up, that's just what's going to happen. So it's not always Zoo's fault. And then his fourth quarter, as I mentioned, was amazing. I just thought that, especially that sequence where he blocked Shingun and then yammed it on his head. Man, hopefully this game, and now you start to see a glimpse of James Harden helping Zoo and seeing what you can do when having those two on the court together. But having Zoo have that game, hopefully that can get him some confidence going forward. I mean, right now, he is averaging 10.5 points a game and eight rebounds. So it's actually not even that much worse than last season. But you just expect a little more from Zoo. He's averaging 26 minutes right now. Last season, he averaged 28 and a half. Last season, he shot... 4% better, 63%. This year, he's at 59. He also shot 70% from the line last season, 60 right now. And he averaged 0.3 more points and 1.6 more rebounds and 0.2 more assists. The one category that he's doing better in so far this season is blocks, actually. Although at the same time last season, that was not the case. He was averaging over two blocks at this point last season. But he's averaging 1.6 blocks. So rounds up to two, you'll take that all day. So Zubats, I was really happy with his performance. And then Daniel Tice, I feel like I didn't talk about him enough. But man, he really gave some solid minutes. There were at least two shots around the rim that he deterred. He had a couple of hard fouls, which is totally fine with me. And he was playing hard. There was even one possession where he did get away with a foul guarding Jalen Green one-on-one. But at the end of the day, that's going to go down in the stat sheet as, well, not in the box score, but in the advanced or whatever, Daniel Tice guarded Jalen Green in isolation and got a stop. So I really liked what I saw. Because remember, all we need Tice to do is give us some spot minutes and just be a body. Give us a bigger body when Zubats is out of the game until Mason comes back that's serviceable. And I thought he absolutely did that. Even though he did not score, I don't believe he did. Let me check the box score yet again. Yeah, he did not score, but he got a couple of rebounds and deterred some shots at the... Actually, he did score. Two points. Two points, three rebounds, one steal. So, we'll take that from Daniel Tice. I'm excited to see how he fares coming up this week. And that's what I'm going to be talking about when we come back. I gotta tell you a little something about FanDuel. Snap, score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use, and this week, I was taking a look at the lines for the Clipper game against the Spurs on Monday. Clippers are minus 9, and to be honest, 
I'm feeling double digit, a double digit win on this one. I, I am. The Spurs, I mean, they've been struggling a bit. And after the first win with James Harden, I actually think that Harden might carve them apart. And the Clippers are confident. And there's nothing that builds confidence more than getting wins. So I think they can get double digit, a double digit victory. So I would hit that, honestly. Um, and where you do that is FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right. So let's talk about the week ahead in Clipper basketball. Clippers got the Spurs in two straight games and then a back-to-back on Friday and Saturday against the New Orleans Pelicans, which will be an in-season tournament game, and the Dallas Mavericks. It is going to be a tough one. And then we got the Nuggets at the end of the month. But San Antonio, right? Played them earlier this season, beat them up. I hope. I, I, you know, I've, I watched a lot of San Antonio's first couple of games. Haven't watched the last couple. It's funny because after the Clipper loss, they won two games in Phoenix in dramatic fashion. One was KD turning the ball over in the backcourt, and Keldon Johnson made a game winner. And then Wemby had his best game probably so far of the season, I would think, in that game against Phoenix. So they swept them in that two-game matchup. And then they had a game against Toronto where they were literally had the game in their back pocket and they blew it. So that was those are the last couple of games I watched from the Spurs. Then I watched them play the Knicks, and they got absolutely crushed at Madison Square Garden. So the Clippers coming off of a win, I think that they can beat them up. My question is, Robert Covington was a huge reason we got Wemby shut down in the last time we played him. You're probably going to see Kawhi and Paul guard him a lot in this game. So let's see how that goes. You know, Kawhi still hasn't shot over 16 times since Harden's come. And I'm a little bit worried about him guarding really good players throughout games, hurting his legs even more than they already, you know. I already talked about Kawhi not having the legs to close sometimes in terms of the big shot at the end of a game. And this is not a thing that's always been there for Kawhi, mainly after 20... You know what? I'm not going to lie. Ever ever since the uh, 2021 season, there were games in that season where I called him out for looking like he wasn't the guy that was making me confident closing. And I can't say that that's changed since. And I'm not talking about like him not being clutch or anything or not making shots at the end of games. It's more about that last a minute or so, that last 30 seconds. It feels like he always takes tough shots that he's not getting much elevation on, and they usually end up short. And sometimes he's just dribbling the ball constantly and not going anywhere. And that was actually the case against the Rockets. He was isolated on the right wing. The whole baseline side on the right was open. And he was just kind of dribbling in place. Looked like he wanted to take that three. Jabari Smith almost bit on the fake, but didn't quite. And then Harden's defender was kind of sitting at the nail, loading up a bit. And so he fizzed the ball over to him. But let's be real. He got he was getting locked up. So I don't know why I even mentioned that. Oh, the, the point I mentioned was I don't want him getting too tired on defense to the point where he's even getting hurt more when it comes to that closing conversation legs-wise. So we'll see how that goes. Two games against the Spurs, let's be real. It doesn't get much easier in the Western Conference this year. It doesn't. Like, you want to talk about Houston? Houston just took the Lakers to the brink as well on Sunday night. So they're a decent team. That was probably the best one in the Clippers' season in terms of strength of their opponent. Houston, Orlando, that'll be a conversation by the end of the season. Orlando smacked them on opening night. But I like the way Houston's going. They have a much different seriousness this season. So 
that wasn't like the Clippers barely beat some bad team. The Rockets are decent this year. But those two games against the Spurs, a really good chance to build a streak, get three wins in a row, and that can really build your confidence because even though New Orleans doesn't have C.J. McCollum, they have given the Clippers problems in many different iterations of this Pelicans team in the last couple of years. So that game is not going to be easy at all. And then Dallas is playing good basketball and smacked us, and it's a back-to-back. So it is not going to be easy. Never an easy game in the Western Conference in my lifetime, really, especially this year. So it's going to be tough. But I think the Clippers can really win all four of them. I really do. Then they got Denver next Monday, but obviously that's next week. So don't even got to look at that. But that back-to-back is going to be tricky. It's Monday against San Antonio at 5 p.m. local time. Same time on Wednesday, 5 Pacific local time. And then New Orleans and Dallas, 7.30 Friday, Saturday. Of course, I will be in the building for probably both games. So looking forward to it. But yeah, that's it. The week ahead. Let me know what you think the Clippers uh, record will be this week in those four games. Let me know what you think of the Russ stuff. It's sad that the truth is that he got benched. And if it's a Zubats, Daniel Tice. Hopefully they continue to play well and build off that performance against the Rockets. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod. Subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more LA Clipper and LA sports content. And Locked On Clippers, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe and hit the notification bell so you know every single time we post a video. Try my best to give you guys as much as I can, being more consistent about posting five days a week this season. Because there was a lot of weeks last season where I tried, where I only got like four episodes out. And I'm trying to be better. You know, in my second year as host, I'm obviously still improving on things. And I'm always willing to hear feedback from you. So keep giving me tips. Keep giving me advice. I mean, I'm the, I, I think I'm the, yeah, I'm the youngest host of all Locked On NBA hosts. So. You know, it's a process for me. I'm still trying to get better as well. So appreciate everybody. The age old proverb continues. Go Clippers.